Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome from the crew at Newsbusters. We're working during the day. We're watching debates at night. When do we sleep? It's uh, It was a busy one last night. Um, and most importantly, the Pennsylvania Senate debate. Um, on The View today, Sonny Hostin, one of the pathetic Democratic spinners on that show, claimed somehow Dr. Oz chose to bully a stroke victim. Get a load of this. It was really strange to me that he chose to bully a stroke victim. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, he obviously was bullying him. And, um, you know, I don't think the people of Pennsylvania or the people in general um, liked that because Fetterman raised $1 million after that debate. And I think it takes real courage to show that you've been knocked down. I think it takes real bravery to allow people to see your weakness, right? In the same sentence... We go from Fetterman being a stroke victim to being someone whose cognitive abilities have not been compromised. We know that Fetterman's cognitive abilities have not been compromised. That's a pretty cute thing. Well, you know, this is the same show where the the ladies all laughed about the possibility that Herschel Walker has brain damage. And then yesterday, Joy Behar was suggesting Ron DeSantis looked like he had a stroke. And then she turns around and says anybody who has concerns about Fetterman, well, it's clearly so unempathetic. Now, there is not a word that fits Joy Behar better than unempathetic. I mean, what more can we say? You got to keep track of us when we're looking at The View. Joining me now to discuss the night in debates and other midterm developments, Curtis Houck, associate editor, Pennsylvanian. Yes, yes. Uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, native. Uh, so Mannheim Township High School. About mm, 40 minutes, give or take, from Harrisburg. Yes. Penn State University. So if we're going to discuss Pennsylvania, let's start with this yeah. before we get into what you've got. The weirdest thing this morning on Morning Joe was where Scarborough tried to say that Mehmet Oz doesn't look like a Pennsylvanian. What does that even mean? Like, what did, what did, what was he even trying to say here? Uh, I mean, a very slick guy who doesn't happen to fit Pennsylvania. Now, yeah, he's kind of saying Oz should have showed up in a hoodie and shorts. Right, he should have shown up in a hoodie and shorts. Although John Fetterman also showed up in a suit and he looked horribly out of place. You know, he looks like Mon- Mr. Finster or whatever it is from. From uh, the or the monsters or whatever. Usually, yeah. what happens is people com- comparing the to Kingpin from the Marvel comics, who was a, a bad guy, or that too. You know, with the bulge in, in in his back of his head that he needs to get looked at. Um, I just think it was really weird that like uh, Scarborough was really on a redemption tour. I think that was the key because right. he had tweeted during the the Oz Fetterman debate. One of them, he said, quote, John Fetterman's ability to communicate is seriously impaired. Pennsylvania voters will be talking about this obvious fact, even if many in the media will not. (laughs) Okay. So then he proceeded to spend the first half hour of the show, according to our Mark Finkelstein, trashing Oz. You know, the claims about the the he doesn't he's a very slick guy who doesn't happen to look the part. He looks like a lot of guys in Philadelphia. 
I'll say that. Or he looks like a lot of Penn State dads. That <laughs> well, that would see come then to drop their kids off at school. So, so Joe Scarborough's wrong. Right, exactly. The left went after Dr. Oz for having wine at a tailgate with Penn State College Republicans the other week. I have to tell you, as a seasoned Penn State football tailgater, although I haven't been there in a few years, wine, especially box wine, is nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> it's nothing to be ashamed of. The sorority girls, they're not going to drink the Natty Light. They'd rather drink the wine coolers. But, you know, that's just me. Um, but Scarborough then went on to say that Oz needs to work, take, put the law. He said he would put the lawmaking ha- uh, of abortion in the hands of people at the Parks and Rec Department and Water Management District because Oz's entire point on abortion was he believes that it should belong. Decision should be between quote women's doctors, local political leaders. His argument is abortion is a state matter. Right, and should be settled in the states. If a state wants to ban abortion, a state wants to ban abortion. If a state doesn't want to ban abortion, a state doesn't want to ban abortion. Um, and well, that's what and so he's be, saying here. Yeah, I mean Scarborough's now he's just cartooning. He w- he was basically trying. Nobody seriously thinks that what Oz actually said, and this is the way independent fact checkers would show up if this was a conservative saying it, as opposed to Joe Scarborough, who's a big Nantucket liberal. Right. Well, Joe Scarborough is, you know, went to school at Alabama. He's from. He represented the Western Pan, the Panhandle, or part of the Panhandle, of Florida, and Congress. You know, now he's Joe Cool. He's in a band, you know, yeah. and he's uh, he's a big Red Sox and Liverpool fan. And he lives in Nantucket and he and Mika, you know, they're either in their home studio in the West Coast of Florida or, you know, they're up in New York or out. Yeah. Out in yeah Nantucket or wherever they want to go in fancy New England beaches. And so yet he's he turns elite. around. Yeah. Then he turns around and says, Dr. Oz has multiple houses. Oh, it's like. <laughs> What? Oh, really? Like oh, who really? else? You're really you're married to a woman who was part of a major democratic political family, the Brzezinski family, for decades. Yeah. No pay no attention to what I'm doing here. It's very strange. Uh but Elise Jordan also on Morning Joe said Oz's answer about abortion, she said, quote, Oh my god, that was the most heinous, atrocious answer that Dr. Oz could have possibly uttered last night. And you're like, huh? Yeah, you know what's heinous and atrocious? Abortions. Uh, and but but you know, obviously you can say, I can get a focus group together of women and find somebody who who likes abortions or who they always do this. Well, they're not. They don't like abortions, but they sure want one when they need one. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, as our Mark Finkelstein noted, I think the the real fun point is to say Ilhan Omar doesn't look like she's from Minnesota. Yep. That wouldn't fly. That would, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, I think we know what MSNBC and CNN would have to say. Rashida Tlaib doesn't sound like a Michigander. Yeah. Ugh. Well, look, even this Curtis, Rashida Tlaib represents a black majority district, so you could say she's no John Conyers. She's not John Conyers. You know, I mean, and you know, obviously they voted her in, but it's like th- these are the things they you can't say. Uh, if if it's a member of the squad, it was something you, you couldn't say at all. So when we came in today, usually what we're looking at is you'll say, here's what I saw in the morning shows today. And uh, the whole crew got together today to sort of put together what we were seeing. And I, I think what I was looking for was 
are they going to try to present this as an average everyday debate? Because it was not an average everyday debate. And anybody watching it live or just watching Twitter live was like, wow, what a debacle. They told, and that's exactly what happened. They insisted that this was a perfectly normal debate, as I wrote up at Newsbusters. This was this was Obi Wan Kenobi telling the stormtroopers, "Move along. These aren't the droids you're looking for. This isn't the kind of debate you're looking for. It was just like the other debates last night. Move along." It talked about abortion and college. Uh, education and inflation and crime and foreign policy. It was nothing to see here. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he opened up the debate with, good night, everyone. All right, good night, everybody. And you're like, <laughs> good night, everyone. That's called a slow start. That's um, called, uh, it's called not, that's not good. You know, Stephanopoulos, who knows a thing or two about spin, as a, for, as a longtime Clintonite, Said in a tease. Overnight, Democrat John Fetterman and Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz face off in the high stakes elections only debate. Fighting for the state's open Senate seat, Fetterman's recent stroke front and center as the candidates clash over abortion and crime. So he, in this one here, notice there wasn't, he just said Fetterman's recent stroke was front and center. But then it was a very small part of, you know, a 20 second tease. It's like just a factor. It's not the focus. Rachel Scott, who is a total hack, yeah, for lack of a better term, yeah. uh, she said the stakes are high and the circumstances were unique. And they praised Fetterman for addressing it head on and cutting to the chase. But then, once again, they moved on and said that both candidates were on the attack. And that Fetterman talked about President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. And he drew, quote, a clear contrast with Oz on abortion. Well, and both candidates ended by saying why or explaining, what, quote, why they are the right man for the job here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I think this is the other spin that annoys me is when they all try to make it a super virtue that he showed up, um, that he delayed it and delayed it and delayed it. And we're now just a few days from the regular election day, but obviously early voting's been going on for a while. And there were right. obviously people on Twitter were last night were saying, what an outrage that this was. We're this deep into early voting before we realize this guy, you know, needs the 70 inch TV screen and he's going to pause for 15 seconds to try well, to get his brain together. Well, there were two screens. One of them was just the questions from the moderators. And then the other one was everything. So, like, it was everything as it was going, but then the, the one on the right would only be updated as the questions came in so that, like, Fetterman could remember what the t current topic was being – that was being discussed. And the second thing I would say about that is that's very similar to what NBC's Hallie Jackson tried to do on the Today Show, saying that, you know, Democrats that are talking to believe it will be seen as a positive and that voters will just view it as, quote, Fetterman putting himself out there. Yeah, I mean, that is the Democrat spin. But I, this is, I guess, my point is that um, to try to turn this into a courage or a bravery talking point uh, is that to me is a desperate spin because right. it's come very late and it seems to be intended to paper over a disastrous, bumbly performance. Right. CBS Mornings was definitely the worst. There was this soundbite from Robert Costa that I just have to read instead of play because it's just, oh, my gosh. Fetterman's use of a closed caption device during the debate, where he read questions in real time on a screen above the moderators, sparked debate. 
on social media, with some observers seeing a strong performance amid recovery, oh. while others cast him as unsteady. Yeah, I mean, that's that's some really energetic spin. I think, yes, again, you could use words like debacle or fiasco instead of unsteady. I mean, that's that's really putting it mildly. When it goes back to what I wrote about yesterday at Newsbusters, uh, folks can find it under the title, CBS Tells Pennsylvanians to Shut Up About Fetterman's Mental and Physical State. Yeah, that's a, that was hot last night, again, that people were reading it and saying, look at CBS try to shame people out of caring about this issue. Right, they, they went to a liberal college student at my alma mater saying no one should be shamed for using things that makes things more accessible. Oh, and then they brought in Al Tompkins from Pointer to say there's just too much attention on it. I think most people care about things like inflation and crime and international relations, trust in government. Those are important issues for people. All right. So everybody should know, in case you're not aware, if if somebody appears from the Pointer Institute, just put a D next to it because that's a group of Democrat hacks. These are the group of Democratic hacks that run PolitiFact. Um, they are totally in the tank. They are liberal media with a, cla- a capital L-I-B-E-R-A-L. So, I mean, if you're bringing in Al Tompkins, he's going to give you the Democrat shill spin. Right. And I think and CBS has tried to say, well, we have a poll saying I think it was 53 percent of voters think we should stop talking about this. We should stop talking about Fetterman's health. But what was funny was they also put on screen, but Costa wouldn't mention it yesterday, was – a larger margin, I think it was upwards of like 57% or 58%, think that the Fetterman's focus on Oz being from New Jersey is something that doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, then that's this is what we have to understand is that when a lot of people feel like they don't trust the polls because they think the sample is skewed, which it usually is. Mm-hmm. The sample's going to be skewed to the Democratic side, and that's where they end. The Democrats end up thinking that the elections are rigged because the the actual election result doesn't match their skewed liberal polls. I mean, that's why they 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 show up in 2016 and say it was rigged because it didn't match the polls that the that the networks were doing. But we also have to underline this point: the questions they decide to ask at the time they ask them. So they so for CBS to go out and do a poll saying, shouldn't we all shut up about Fetterman and his health? To me, that's a very biased question. And then for them to hype it, I mean, it's just, uh, to me, this is what I don't like about network polls. Because we also know, so you're saying that CBS mentioned the New Jersey thing didn't poll well. No, they just put it on screen. Costa didn't say it, but it was put on screen. All right, so you could see See, but this is the other thing, is like, I think we all understand that a lot of people watch morning shows like while they're making their cereal or whatever. So they might not be looking at the screen at all times. Yeah, they don't hear it. So that's interesting. And I thought some of the other things that were key takeaways from the debate was, you know, ABC 27 anchor Dennis Owens, which is the ABC affiliate in the Harrisburg, York, Lancaster market. Uh, brought up the doctor's note from John Fetterman yes. saying he's in great health and everything, but why can't you release your medical records? The second part is obviously fair and well and good, and he did press Fetterman yep. again on that when Fetterman kind of tried to dodge it and saying it's all about showing up, and that's what matters. Uh, but what he didn't do is point out that this doctor, according to the Washington Free Beacon, great folks over there, Fetterman's doctor is a donor to Fetterman's campaign. 
that to me would be a fairly crucial point. A but- crucial point. And the networks have not mentioned that at all in their stories. Um, you know, both over the last two days when this race has been, you know, really in the spotlight, both pre and post debate, they have not mentioned this. They'll bring up the doctor's note. They've brought it up, but there's no mention of the fact that he is a donor. Imagine that if something happened with Donald Trump and Donald Trump's doctor put out a note like that. We already know yeah. Dr. Connolly, the president's physician, the press didn't believe him at all. At the beginning of the campaign, this Borstein guy, you know, this kind of he kind of looked like uh, date the data guy uh, from Star Trek who played the the one scientist in Independence Day, kind of mm-hmm. like weird look, kind of yep. kooky looking guy. It was like he'd be the fittest president of all time. You know, it was clearly it, written by Trump, and the media had an absolute cow over that. Right. Whereas this one, a guy actually gave money to this candidate and says. Everything's great. He could fully, you know, he'd be totally fit to do his job with no restrictions uh, that they want to bring that up. Yeah, I think that there's, as, as you underline it, whether it was, you know, Dr. Ronnie Jackson. I mean, any any doctor who spoke on Trump's behalf was treated as a preposterous partisan. And yeah, if you if your doctor, if Trump's doctor sounds exactly like Trump, he's an explicitly fit specimen. <laughs> he may be 50. Um, then you can make fun of it. But yeah, there, in this case, it is just simply stating the facts to say the doc, you know, Fetterman has not released his medical records and the doctor who wrote a letter for him has also wrote, written him a check. Um, that's just, to me, it's elementary. Journalism 101. If you're studying journalism at Penn State and you're 20 years old, you would make a point of doing that. And somehow they couldn't do So they didn't do it in the debate. And they're not doing it in the stories on the debate. No, and they're not really playing Fetterman's numerous mental hiccups. The only one that was played was played on CBS and NBC, which is his fracking answer. Now, I would say this. I watched Morning Joe this morning, and before he went to town on Oz, he did run about three or four minutes of Fetterman's bumbles. Um, I took as much as Twitter would allow. I ran about two minutes plus on my Twitter account that Scarborough ran those. And maybe Scarborough was justifying his own tweets, um, but clearly there was enough there. And so you give him this touchy thing, and that is you want to feel sympathy for him, right? Willie Geist is like, oh, we all have had a, a, a friend or a close relative who's had a stroke, and gosh, you can really feel for this guy. Okay, um, my dad had a stroke a few years ago, and it took him like six months to to get back to some kind of normal. But my, I wouldn't have said my dad should run for the Senate after he had a stroke. I mean, yeah. the obvious solution here was the Pennsylvania Democrats should have said, you know what, he is have him resign from the campaign and run somebody else. And instead, they did this cynical thing of, well, we'll just shamelessly run this guy until he bumbles through a debate in late October and then shame you for being ableist. You're ableists. Like, what was the Politico headline? It will put a spotlight on the ableist community, on, like, the the disabled community or something like that. Well, and apparently the Fetterman spin after the debate was. Now, just remember that Dr. Oz now is going to be, you know, running things against a disabled man. I mean, now now it's sort of like, oh, how dare you run against a disabled man? I mean, the spin on this is ludicrous. And it it's almost as bad as, 
in 2000 when Mel Carnahan died in a plane crash right before the election. And the Democrats all voted for a guy who was dead because that was basically the option they had. I mean, they didn't have a... Pennsylvania Democrats had a better option than Missouri Democrats in 2000. But yes, John Ashcroft in 2000 was defeated for the Senate by a guy who was dead. And then they gave the seat to Mrs. Carnahan. Um, and then when Bush, perhaps in a, in a fit of sympathy, uh, <laughs> nominated John Ashcroft to be attorney general, they ripped him as a white supremacist. I mean, it, a Confederate sympathizer. This is the sort of thing, it's like, news media, they're such shameless Democrat hacks. They have no right. shame. They don't have the idea that maybe we'll treat John Ashcroft with a decent... Uh, with some decency, because guess what? John Ashcroft just submitted in that race. He just let the Carnahans take that race. He did not run around for two years saying that he it was rigged, that he, you know that mm -hmm. that he refused to concede. Yeah. Uh, back at the time, we were saying uh, that Carnahan was much better behaved than Al Gore. Well, now Trump is much <laughs> worse behaved than Al Gore, but it's that sort of idea. Is that this was one of those things where. This should have been a reckoning of sorts for what the Democrats did. Right. I mean, they rallied, you know, they rallied around Oz or uh, Fetterman, which it was kind, of, which was kind of interesting after uh, really seeing how they uh, they kind of tried to wiggle their way around. Uh, at first, or to restart, at first they were horrified. I think that was the key reaction last night. They in real like, time. In real time, they were like, oh, my gosh, this really sucks. Like, what are we going to do? I don't know. But then it very quickly became, okay, we've got to figure something out here. And then sure enough, they figured something out. Well, I think of it as this way, Curtis. This is the kind of the way I imagine it. There's sort of the water cooler media reaction. Right, that they're standing around the water cooler saying that was a fiasco, that was a debacle, that was terrible, and then of course they walk into the studio and it's oh everything's normal. All the people that ran around for five years of Trump going, you can't normalize Trump, he's not normal. Now everything they did here was normalizing and really suppressing their actual reaction. Right, exactly. I mean, the one example was Olivia Nuzzi of New York Magazine saying, quote. There is no amount of sympathy for an understanding about Fetterman's health and recovery that changes the fact that this is absolutely painful to watch. And this was... There was a lot well, of that. There was a lot of Painful that. to watch was pretty common. Was pretty... It was common. But again, to your point, as Redstie, or Buddy Redstie's noted, he's not running to be, quote, seven-year-old did okay at the recital, and he was very brave for trying. <laughs> yeah, that's, he's running for the Senate. Right. Instead, he's going around... Is Red Sea's known saying, quote, I'm fine, and it's the technology that's confusing. Vote for me, cantaloupe, purple dishwasher shoelaces. <laughs> you know, because that was the other thing. Fetterman's camp is blaming Nexstar in the closed captioning for why Fetterman had so many mental breakdowns. Yeah. Which is and amazing. The, it, which they weren't accepting. Which they weren't accepting to their credit. And they pointed out that they had the campaigns had multiple opportunities to do practice rounds right. uh, to check out the stage. Right. Fetterman had one brief walkthrough, whereas Oz went through it twice to kind of get the swing of things. Which is interesting because you would think the other way around because right. Oz is so TV experienced. He could be pompous about it. He could be pompous about it. He could not show up or he could have just done the one brief walkthrough. And it's really Fetterman that could have used two full practice rounds. It, and, and yeah, the, the way that Scarborough and others were trying to say, 
this was part of the Democrats' bin. Oh, he's slick. That's what he is. He's slick. He was on a TV show, and they're trying to make that a negative. And it's like, you know, we know with Clinton, slick was always a positive. Oh, Barack Obama. Yeah. Barack Obama being able to host his own podcast with Bruce Springsteen and have a Netflix show to have a hosting voice. Well, like, they, they, yeah. Yeah, well they didn't really say it. I mean... Hillary was Fetterman next to Obama, but... <laughs> right, right, well... Uh, robotic. Robotic. Uh, but yeah, the media have got their marching orders. They figured out what they want to do. Axios is running around touting a claim from uh, a Democrat one. that says, quote, Oz's campaign is spending tens of millions of dollars against a man with a major medical condition. Yeah, see, I mean, you're, that's... Mm -hmm. That's one of those things that either you want to say that he's going to be qualified eventually. Maybe by the time he's sworn in, he'll be able to complete sentences. Uh, and, and as we know, there's not big, you know, jumbotrons on the Senate floor. Right. For people to understand things. But yet I think it was uh, some resistance type uh, that pointed out, well, being senator, all it really is is pressing a button, you know, like well, a green button or a red button. That's the cynical thing, and that is, you know, you David don't really Sirota. need Sirota, yeah. yeah, that's classic, Bernie, 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 bro. Uh, the, the the whole idea of that's where the cynicism comes in is we're just going to wheel this guy in to vote D, uh, you know, and this this is something that's happened over the years. I want to say they did that with Robert Byrd at one point. They actually wheeled him in on a stretcher to cast a vote. I mean that. Well, it's Ted that, Kennedy for the Obamacare vote. It was it, it was snowy outside. He wasn't doing well, and they wheeled him in. I think McCain too. I mean, obviously McCain yeah. at the end had a brain tumor, and they well, were still gonna. To be fair, Thad Cochran, you know, I, right. I mean, Mississippi. We, we there's examples from both parties. Well, this is where I think right. Let's let's pretend Curtis like we're the media. If you're the media. And you're for good government. The first thing that you should have the audacity to do is say, somebody's past their peak. You know, you should, somebody should say, obviously, uh, there are cases. What Strom Thurmond, I can tell you this when you were young, Strom Thurmond was like 99 years old or something. And it's like clearly should not have been running. Um, but, you know, everybody knew who Strom Thurmond was and they knew he was going to win. I mean, and people, let's be real cynical. Uh, Chuck Grassley is what, 88? I Although mean, he's, and he's running for re-election. He's sharp as a tack. I get that. Sharper than Biden. Or Dianne Feinstein. But at some point, just as a citizen, I'm sort of like, once you hit 80, I mean, try this. I'm 88 and I'm going to run for a six-year term? I, just as a person, I'm like, gosh, you know, is 88 the new 50? Uh -uh. Uh, <laughs> if I don't even make it to that 88, you're I like, was going to say you'd feel you should consider yourself lucky. Let's turn just for a brief moment to the uh, the New York governor's mm -hmm. debate. Yeah. And I think you're probably like me. We mostly saw clips on Twitter um, where Kathy Hochul really stepped in it. And suggested, I don't know why you care about murderers getting out. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you're spending so much time talking about people being locked up. Not surprisingly, uh, the debate was not really covered on the networks. It was ignored on ABC and NBC. So, And these are New York-centered networks. Right, whereas normally, like, if there's a natural gas explosion in a vacant apartment building, they're going to cover it because yeah, well, it's, it's earth-shattering to them. In fact, I think we were discussing this earlier. They did find time today for Biden got a booster shot. On today's show, yes. <laughs> Biden mean, got his booster. 
Yes, the Today Show also found time again to tell Taylor Swift's new album. And GMA had, you know, eating, you know, getting all your food from just walking outside your front door. Just pick up the mushrooms in your yard and you'll see what happens. <laughs> but no, no. Uh, <laughs> I want all my food processed like Velveeta. Oh, yes. <laughs> CBS had a 55 second news brief. Uh, it really wasn't anything to write home about. Socialist co-host Tony DeCopel said, quote, they clashed at their only debate last night, including on the topics abortion and crime. Okay. We got the word crime in there. Right. But no, but no clip? Yeah. Well, then they had a short clip of one of Hochul saying, uh, you're the only person standing on the stage whose name right now, not years past, but right now, is on a bill called Life Begins Exception. I don't trust this. Women don't trust this. Then Lee Zeldin said, I mean, I stated that the first day of office, I'm going to declare a crime emergency and suspend cashless bail and other pro-criminal laws because there is a crime emergency in a separate, obviously in a separate well, part then. But the point is, though, um, DeCopel then summarized it by saying those were big themes of the night. Governor Hochul wanted to talk about abortion. Congressman Zeldin constant, consistently brought it back to crime. By the way, Congressman Zeldin said he would not, in fact, seek to make abortion illegal in the state if elected because this is the same issue that we have in uh oregon and i I think oregon i think washington state as well and in new york where abortion is in the state constitution right so like this idea that like christine drazen or tiffany smiley or lee zeldin's gonna work to ban abortion in these states is absolutely ludicrous because it would require you know like two-thirds of the the legislature and all you know all that sort of legislative process that the governor or senator couldn't just help work to undo that or push to undo that with the stroke of a pen and so that's what zeldin's saying here he understands that he would have to deal with a democratic legislature right. if elected governor so why make that point say i personally feel this way but there's nothing that i can do about it well we had this moment on the view uh after the debate where uh, Alyssa Farah Griffin brought up that uh, that Zeldin was actually uh, survived an attempted stabbing on stage, to which Sonny Hostin responded by, yeah, he's hated. Uh, at least Alyssa shot back like, well, that doesn't mean it was right. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's that whole notion. I mean, there was another thing. Do you recall whether the, the Zeldin stabbing was a story? I think it was briefly. Briefly. Like, it was kind of a maybe a news cycle or two. I mean but that was it. But I think a lot of people a lot of people probably forget that sort of thing. So I mean I And that there was someone then shot outside his house ha- like people were shot outside his house the other week. Um I, I, I would say this. I think that one of the things we may be looking at after the election, Curtis, is the idea of sometimes liberal bias doesn't help the Democrats. Sometimes it, it you know, so they're all going to run around emphasizing how much they love abortion, and they think emphasizing how much they love abortion is going to help them. And either voters who don't love abortion are going to decide to vote Republican, or they're going to say, "I can barely afford to buy hamburger, and all you want to talk about is your right to kill babies." How- Which you can't even afford to kill a baby. <laughs> yeah, but it's just that it. it there's there's the possibility in some of these races where their hyperbolic coverage of abortion isn't actually going to help them. We'll have to see what we're right. what we're looking at. But yeah, let's guess they're not covering the New York governor's debate because 
precisely because it's close now. Because it's close. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Uh, in Pennsylvania, they, they see that they have to get involved to help drag a mentally and physically impaired man across the finish line because the control of the Senate is at stake. Whereas in other time, in other instances, like with New York's governor, the New York governorship, they don't cover it at all. So the media sometimes when there's especially in campaigns, a bad situation for them. They take those two tracks. One, they go all in to defend said person, or they don't cover it at all. Well, in the focus on abortion that I brought up here, NBC released their newest poll of top issues on uh, Sunday. And they found that these you know threats to democracy, very esoteric, is at 21%. And again, we've talked about this, about how it could mean all sorts of things. You and know, Republicans will say threats to democracy, and they're thinking of Google and so, or, or socialism, <laughs> you know, those kinds Twitter. of things. You know, but then if you add jobs in the economy and cost of living, that is 35%. Immigration in the borders at 10, abortion at 9, climate change at 7, uh, and then crime at 5%. So again, it, again, if you then split things back out, uh, jobs in the economy and cost of living, abortion is number five for voters under 10 percent of yeah. voters are focused on abortion and a large majority of them are in these ultra blue congressional districts uh where they're just these candidates are going to skirt to victory in new york la chicago the areas surrounding washington i mean that's the kind the side that is really focused on abortion uh whereas everybody else is focused on immigration the economy and you know threats the country i guess depending on whatever way you want to take that yeah so again this issue doesn't really matter they always have to bring up abortion they'll talk about crime they'll talk about the economy and abortion rachel scott had this problem the other day with she was in nevada nevada talking about the senate race with Catherine cortez masto and adam laxalt so the most of the story was her and cortez masto talking to each other about abortion and january 6th but then at the end she's like but i do have to tell you george are the economy and inflation are the biggest issues for voters and what people are telling me back to you. And you're like, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 let's go back to the debates just to f conclude on this point. I think one of the differences here, as, as we suggested, was Democrats have thought the New York governor's office and basically the New York, the entire New York legislature and governor is, is owned by the Democrats. And so when that's in peril, mm -hmm. they don't want to touch it. I think they've been quite explicit in saying, I, I know I heard this probably on NPR this morning, is that the, the notion is that Pennsylvania is the Republican Senate seat. The Democrats think they have the most likelihood of flipping. That's why they put that front and center. Right. It's key to them. Uh, they believe that Oz was such a weak candidate after what was, you know, indisputably a fractious primary well and i think this is part of what they're saying that their original spin was oz first-time candidate jd vance first-time candidate herschel walker first-time candidate blake masters first-time candidate and their hope was these guys are all going to be pitched as amateurs and now we're at a point where they're all like oz is so slick and wonderful he's so talented <laughs> it's right like, wait a minute or yeah walker walker doesn't talk so good you know uh, and and i think we would say if we were picking candidates in georgia i wouldn't pick the guy that was best known for scoring touchdowns but 
at this point, it's always funny when they turn it around. We've seen this. You know, right. Saturday Night Live made fun of Herschel Walker saying things that sounded dumb. There's no way on earth Saturday Night Live is going to make fun of Fetterman. No, no way. And you're ableist. You're ableist. But you're going to make fun of Herschel Walker for not really having a polit- classic politician's delivery or even a smooth delivery of anybody. A smooth talker. <laughs> He's not really known for that. Well, I'm just going to go and back to what I I'm going to go back to what I always say, Curtis. When you start saying somebody's not mentally equipped to be in the Senate, I go, Maisie Hirono <laughs> of Hawaii. <laughs> All right. So, if you want to keep up with the way we're covering the midterms. Uh, you know that it come 7 o'clock in the morning, Curtis is already all over these morning shows now. He used to be the night guy. Now he's a morning guy. Yeah. It's 7 p.m. for 7 a.m. Switch out 7 a.m. for 7 p.m. And then also, of course, Curtis all over the cringe Jean-Pierre briefings. Mm. Although there haven't been as many of those. Yeah. Biden's been on the road. Biden mm. in Delaware. You know, therefore, I don't have to do one. Uh, so far this week, they've had some, but yeah, it's they've been a little slow. She's been lucky. I'm sure. I'm sure she's not heartbroken about that. So you know, Curtis has our top individual uh, Twitter account at Curtis Hauk. So come around and come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for checking in. <laughs> <laughs>